What's really good and welcome back to another episode of The Opinionated Ones brought to you by The Sanchez Show. As always, I'm your host, Eric Sanchez. Got my main man, Will Gordon, with you. It's been a long time, man. We took a little time off. We recalibrated. But now we back. Will, I see you got your charges gear on. We got to get into the NFL draft. We got to get into the second round of the playoffs. But first and foremost, how are you doing? What's good with you, man? Yeah, it has been a minute since we since we got up, but you know, um, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take a break before you have such big things going on, like the NFL draft and the NBA playoffs. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta kind of build up for that, for that whole situation that's going on right now. When it's, it's an overload of sports. Yeah, yeah, we had, we had to recharge. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I mean, I know we spoke as well, but happy birthday as well. Your birthday recently went past. Oh yeah, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. But let's get right into it, man. The NFL draft. Uh, we're good. We know where players are going. We know certain movements didn't take place. Obviously, we we still waiting to see what's going to happen with Baker Mayfield. We're still waiting to see what's going to happen with Debo Samuels. But let's focus on the young stars, the future stars of the NFL, who now know where they're going to be playing next season. Will, what were your thoughts and what were some of your favorite selections uh, in this draft? Um, I think my favorite selection was probably the selections that my favorite were the non-selections. I'm glad I didn't see a bunch of these bum-ass quarterbacks, though, early. And I didn't see a bunch of people reaching. You know what I mean? It's usually you see a lot of teams reach for quarterbacks when they really shouldn't. And we didn't see that this year. Only one quarterback went in the first round um, for the first time since 2013. Um, and when you, that being Kenny Pickett going 20th to the Steelers, but when you look back to 2013, when there was only one quarterback to go in the first round, that was EJ Manuel. So you kind of hope that Kenny Pickett doesn't have the same fate as EJ Manuel and, you know, the guys back then did. But that would probably be my favorite part that you didn't see a bunch of bumps get taken in the first round. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll say this. Uh, I was a little shocked that we only saw one quarterback through the first three rounds. Uh, I definitely thought going into the, into the second round, we were going to see a little bit more quarterback selection, but we didn't. I think the GMs overall were, were pretty smart with their selections through the first three rounds, though. I mean, even with the teams that traded back, it was it seemed like it was done with a purpose. Uh, there wasn't just a lot of wild trades and a lot of wild movement. Everything seemed to be calculated. Obviously, we saw A.J. Brown get traded to the Eagles. Immediately, I thought about the conversation you and I had with Trip a few weeks ago, where we both said the Eagles could be that surprise team in the NFC. And that was before we knew, obviously, that A.J. Brown would be going there. Now, A.J. with Devontae Smith. Uh, now you got weapons, and there's no excuse for Jalen Hurts. You got to make it work now. You definitely have weapons if you're Jalen Hurts. Um, you pretty much you added a, a top-tier starting uh, receiver in A.J. Brown, and you're putting him across a guy that's trajecting to be one of those guys as well as a number one, top ten type of receiver. Um, you got a tight end that can produce in Goddard. Uh, you got a couple running backs that when healthy and uh, Sanders and Boston Scott can give you a, enough production 
in today's NFL, we're not really leaning that heavy on the run anyway. Um, yeah, you're giving Jay. I like that that's what they're doing. They're giving Jalen Hurts the best opportunity to succeed. Um, but you, but these are the kind of moves that when you look around the division, you think, hmm, they might be positioning themselves to make a move. So you can't really hate on what Philly's doing. No, I, I love what they did because originally with all the draft picks that they had accumulated, they were trying to get the quarterback and Deshaun didn't want to go there last year. And obviously they were never really in the running for Russ or Aaron Rodgers. And instead of panicking, they again got strategic. And if you look at what they were able to get AJ Brown for, you know, first and a third, but then also the money, a hundred million over four years, a little more than half of it is fully guaranteed. It's a pretty good deal. I mean, when you consider that Tariq Hill's getting almost 40 million, Devontae Adams getting almost 40 million, you're getting AJ Brown, like you said, who's a Pro Bowl caliber receiver at 25 million for four years. I like the move all around for Philly. I also like it when you consider we, we got to get into Debo, but Hollywood Brown, who hasn't really been productive, went for a first round. He went for the 23rd pick in his draft. AJ Brown went for the 18th pick. So I, to me, that's great value. I don't know what the Cardinals were thinking. But I like what the Eagles did. Yeah. Um, actually, I think you might see the same type of production that you saw in Baltimore and uh, Arizona for Hollywood. But that, I mean, the exact production, not the same type of role, you know, because he was number one over there. But I think you'll see the same type of numbers in that offense across from uh Hopkins where he where he'll be he'll look like a better receiver in Arizona than he did in Baltimore I think but I, I do think he's talented and I think he's got a lot of tools where he can be uh, a star not a superstar but a star and I think the situation will be better for him out there in uh Arizona I'm not saying he's going to a better quarterback you know what I mean because it's kind of it's a lot of similarities when you when you look at Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, but I think his situation is better in Arizona. So I think he'll he'll look like a, a better receiver there. I'm not saying it's gonna you know that was a home run trade, but I do think he'll look like a better receiver. You know AJ Brown, I think he brings a lot more to the table in Philadelphia because like you already found your one receiver in the draft last year, but now you you you're finding a guy that's a different body type. You know what I mean? This, I, I don't like when teams have a bunch of guys that are all the same. I, I, want a, I want a big guy that can go up across the middle and make plays. I want a smaller guy that's more of a burner. You know what I mean? I don't want my I don't want my smaller guy going across the middle. You know, you don't want Deshaun Jackson doing that. Right. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? That he that's that's not the type of thing of that body type you want in those situations, but A.J. Brown's a guy that can take, he can take punishment from wherever on the field and he can deliver punishment and make play, and he's got speed. I think, I think it's a, I think that's a home, Philly acquiring him, that's, that's going to be a big deal. That's going to be a, when we looking at things on how it shakes out when the season progresses, I think that's going to be one of the bigger moves in the offseason that we look back and say, hey, that really made a difference in what this team is doing. I agree. In terms of fit, I think it's it's a perfect fit. As you mentioned, 
He complements Devontae Smith perfectly now as your physical route runner underneath an intermediate route. Uh, he's good as a run blocker as well because obviously he had to do that a lot in Tennessee. So now you go to a situation in Philly, like you said, with, with Sanders, uh, with the read option that they like to do where you could do a lot of different things with A.J. Brown. I like it. For me, the Cardinals situation, I agree from the standpoint of Hollywood being uh, a natural number two or probably even a number three in the offense and getting a lot more one-on-one coverage. But I just look at it from the value. This was a, a receiver deep draft. You could have gotten... Uh, you know, a, an alternative or a guy on a rookie deal who was just your burner as opposed to Hollywood Brown, who's going to be looking for an extension soon. Cause that was one of the reasons Baltimore was looking to move on from him as well. He didn't fit their long-term plans. He's struggling to catch the ball over there. Now you go to Arizona. Yeah. He'll be motivated because he wants his new contract. And I just don't know if having Hollywood Brown in the same locker room with Kyler Murray, who already seems disgruntled himself, if that's really going to work out for them. But we got to wait and see, man. I, I just think, again, you could have gotten better value for the 23rd overall but pick in the draft. Didn't they play together? Didn't they play together in school? They uh, they were at Oklahoma together at the same time. Hollywood, a lot of Hollywood success was with Baker Mayfield, but Kyler Murray was on that team. Okay. So, the, I mean, there might be a relationship there. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Possibly. Possibly. I'm sure. But, I, again, I just think for the 23rd overall pick, with as many receivers that were in this drive, you probably could have worked something out to move up in the draft and get one of the burners earlier or just taking someone at 23 as opposed to getting bringing in Hollywood who is going to want the extension. And that's the way I'm looking at it. Like, we're bringing him in. And as you said, he's even at his peak on this team is going to be as your number two receiver. He's not going to, you know, surpass Hopkins as your number one. But now he's going to want to be paid. Yeah, financially, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for, for Arizona. But, I mean, I guess you want to go for a proven commodity? Maybe put, I mean, I'm that's trying to make a big pass for them. You know what <laughs> I mean? I mean, I think he's not horrible. He's not a horrible receiver, man. I've, I've seen more Baltimore games than I care to. And he's, I'm, I'm going to just say he, he didn't always have the best uh, quarterback. I no, mean, we, we have quarterbacks running half the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's tough. It's tough. Well, it's, yeah, it's, tough it's tough. And he's he's a smaller receiver. So he's not one of them big physical receivers. He he needs he needs you to throw him the ball for him to be effective. So I, I get it. He's gonna see a lot of one-on-one coverage. He's gonna mm-hmm. see a bunch of one-on-one. So this is his opportunity. Like I say, he's got to work on the drops because he struggled with the drops the last two years, man. Um, your charges secured yeah. another spot on the O-line. Yeah, he said, I, "I'm on record as I, th- I think this is your division. Do you feel even stronger about it now? How do you feel coming out of the draft?" Man, I took a long look at what we did in the draft, and I gotta say, I'm pretty pleased. I would have, I'm gonna give my overall like draft grade way the way too early draft grade. You know what I mean? I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it an A minus to, to me. To be real, I'm more like that A minus B plus territory. I really, just being you know a Madden player, I really wanted to see one of those receivers come off the board at 17. You know, because you always want to add some firepower on one offense. But um, they did the smart thing and they went and showed up the offensive line. Uh, you got when you got a quarterback, 
the caliber of Justin Herbert. You got to protect him. You know what I mean? Uh, last year, they took Rashawn Slater in the first round. Uh, Pro Bowl, you know, all, right off rip. He's going to be on that line for the next 12 years starting. You know, he's good. So what do we do this year? We go get a guard to uh, put next to him. And, uh, Zion Johnson, big boy out of out of Boston College. Um, also out of PG County, Maryland from Bowie. You know what I'm saying? I got, you know, I always give love to the locals. Um, but it's the smart thing to do. He, he's a he's a big kid. Um, he uh, actually at the combine, he was the strongest kid there. He did uh, 32 reps of 225 on the bench, which, which was tops at the combine. And he's a smart kid. He, uh, he started out at Davidson and then uh, ended up at Boston College, but smart kid, uh, good background, uh, and 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 just a and just a mauler. I like what you do there in the first round. Then they go and get a burner at safety in the third round, and JT Woods out of Baylor to go play next to my guy. You know what I'm saying? The who I consider to be the best safety in the league. That they took safe, ironically, 17th overall. Uh, a few years back where we had 17th overall pick this year. But my favorite pick in this draft for the for the Chargers, not to get too... I'm not going to go all seven picks. You know, I, I could I could give you a deep dive on all seven picks. I mean, on all, every pick through the seven rounds because I could do that. But in the fourth round, we took this kid, a running back out of Texas A&M, Isaiah Spiller. I think... He might be still of the draft potential, uh, a potential uh, player. Let me tell you about this kid, man. And, and for people that don't know, uh, his brother was in the league as well, CJ. Yeah. yeah he's a little more yeah, physical than his brother was. He was, and, he, and, he, and CJ was faster. Yeah. CJ, but this dude is, I think he's more well-rounded than CJ was. CJ was more of a one-trick uh, pony and didn't really have the size to take the, you know, pounding of being a three-down back in the league. But this kid, he's bigger than his brother was. Uh, two-time All-SEC. And what I was surprised by, since 2019, he led the SEC in Russia. Um, he had 2,993 yards since 2019. And 1,844 of those yards were after contact. So he's a guy that when he comes through the hole, you're not really going to uh, want to tackle him. You know what I'm saying? He's a guy who kind of delivers punishment. And even though as big as a kid that he is and a bruiser that he is, he can catch the football. He has 74 receptions in he's, his career. He's, he's going to be a great compliment to Austin Eckler. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. He's the kind of guy you want to win. If you want to, uh, you know, you try to kill some clock at the end of a game with a lead. Um, he's a guy that's going to put fear in the hearts of defenses at the end of those games, you know, you know, the seal deals. I, I really think that kid has an opportunity to make a big difference on a team that's looking to make some real noise. So I really love that pick. Remember that pick, 123rd overall, Isaiah Spiller running back out of Texas a Yeah, I like that pick as well. I like overall what the Chargers did, just adding a little more grit and a little nastiness. Like you said, bringing in the left guard, and then bringing in a running back with some more physicality. So now, you know, it gives you the change of pace with Austin Eckler because Austin Eckler is, is so heavily relied upon in the passing game. 
now you bring in a back that can that can uh you know relieve him a little bit and 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 bring that physicality that you want in a running game not a you don't need another finesse guy because that's what Austin Eckler already is. So I like those. Aside from the charges, what was your favorite landing spot for a pick? For me, I'll go first round. Kyle Hamilton to the to the Ravens, I thought was just like a match made of heaven. Because all, all of his versatility and what they're able to do, people forget, you know, their defense was banged up last year. But with the with the play at cornerback with Peters, with Marlon Humphrey. With all the versatility of, of Patrick Queen, and now you throw in Hamilton, who can come down in the box, play safety, play corner. I just really like to the fit there. See, this happens every damn week, man. You know what I'm saying? That was my best fit in the first round, for real, because basically, uh, you're giving a kid the opportunity to, to be Ed Reed. You know what I mean? You giving him, the, he's got every opportunity to do that. And I wish Trip was here because I know he, I, 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 I really love to hear his, what his take would have been. He, he got it. He, he out. He out with his toes in the sand right now. Shout out to Trip. He out of Miami. That's right. Yeah, he probably out there <laughs> cutting up right now. You know he cutting up, especially after getting a kid like that. When when teams in front of them that that actually needed safety help chose not to select him. You know what and, I mean? You had a you had a team you had a team at eleven that just let uh that just let uh what's the safety um you talking about uh because you're saying the, you're talking about the Saints at eleven you talking about Marcus Williams no before this before the Saints got there Washington was in that selection oh that's right that's right they traded out yes and they just didn't they just let their uh, safety go what's the kid out of Alabama, Landon, Landon Collins, Landon Collins. So there was a there's a gaping hole in safety there, and, and you had a safety. I, to, you know, I didn't I didn't understand Washington. I, I know they were trying to get some of the value back from from uh, the Wentz trade because they were able to recoup a third. But as you mentioned, the amount of top notch talent that was still there at that spot. Wow. Yeah, to to trade out of that spot. To me, I just felt like I, I, I know you want to recoup some of the things you lost, but there are other ways to go about it. I think you got to take, you know what I'm saying? You had you had the premium on receivers still there. You had Hamilton still there. You had Jordan Davis still there. You, right. You, you yeah, they were. The talk now is that you're about to let go of, uh, of, of not paying the other, the other kid. Uh, uh, they not. I mean, if it's not pain, then it's Allen. I mean, yeah, yeah, pain. You pain, know, yeah, yeah. Not Allen. Yeah, pain. You're probably gonna let go of pain, so you have a glaring need on your defensive line, and not only that, you let them go to Philly. So, and, I mean, and that was a great value pick for Philly as well because they were trying to figure out what they're gonna do with Fletcher Cox. Now, now you got the eventual replacement for him. Exactly. He's gonna yeah, Fletcher. Man, you you think that dude's not gonna be a sponge for everything Fletcher does? And yeah. then you, who I, and then you had who I thought could end up being Julio Jones and Jameson Williams sitting there. I mean, but that's you know, it's reasons why. It's, it's lots of reasons why. I'm, <laughs> with that I, I, I'm just saying. Listen, I I, I understand yeah. to take and 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 you know not to not to piggyback. We've talked a, a lot about Washington, and I don't want to you know turn this into a whole long thing on them, but. You take the receiver who has who's who's undersized and has injury history, 
and you pass up on the premium receivers, yeah, along with the safety, it just makes no sense. And the safety and the defensive tackle. I mean, it was just so many guys that you could have went with. And you passed, I mean, Traylon Burks, you could have, I probably would have went with Traylon Burks at 16 instead of Dawson because he's got the size. And I just finished saying, I don't like when the teams have a bunch of receivers the same size. But, yeah. but, but anyway, my favorite pick also was, like I said, actually, you know what? Since you already went with the safety, I'm going to go with, Man, my favorite pick for the team, but not for the player. My favorite pick for the team is probably going to be number 12, uh, Detroit, getting Williams, because I really think he can be, I think he's going to be a monster. Now, for him, I feel sorry for him because he went to the Lions, and we've seen them waste receiver careers over and over again. But Yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't get it even at the moment. The only, only justification I can think of is, they're going to try to load up with as many blue chippers as they can now and then hope to figure out the quarterback situation later. But I just didn't understand it at all because, as we mentioned, they they have a glaring issue at the quarterback position. And this kid is probably going to be a guy who isn't going to look as good as he really is because of that situation. Jared Goff can't get the ball to him down the field. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the, the kid on, on, on the stat sheet may come across as like, oh, he's not having an impact. No, it's just the quarterback can't get him the ball. But if you're Detroit, maybe they feel like we're going to load up with as much talent as possible and we'll figure it out later on. It's just an overall bad look because they are one of those teams historically that has not drafted receivers well. I can't think of a guy they drafted that's turned out well, aside from Calvin, obviously. But right. they went through that string of years where every receiver they drafted went bad. Um, I'll say this before we transition over to NBA. I think overall that the AFC East did pretty well for themselves. I know Miami didn't have a pick. Uh, the New England pick, a lot of people are questioning, but I'm not going to question Bill on this one because a couple years ago when he took Kyle Duggar in the first round, late first round, people were wondering what he was thinking. Now we look at Kyle Duggar and we see he fit that defense perfectly. But what the yeah. Jets did. Not to cut you off, but real, just real quick. If, 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 if Sean McVay wasn't on live TV when that pick was made, we wouldn't be questioning it. Let's go. That's there you go unpopular opinion but let's 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 go um, back to the jets. yeah i love what the jets did though i love i love what the jets did yeah. getting getting the cornerback uh at four and then pivoting and getting another receiver later on and then being able to get jermaine johnson late in the first trading back up to get him you getting three of the top 12 guys and now I think Robert Salah's defense is going to start to look a little bit more like what he wants it to look like and what it looked like in San Francisco because now he's got some pieces. Yeah. What do do they still have um, the assets to try to go get Debo? They do. Um, the reports I heard, I believe Ian Rappaport said that the Jets and the Patriots are actually aggressive before the draft trying to get him and the 49ers were shutting it down. No one seems to know what the 49ers really want for Debo. From what we've seen this offseason, I think we can all agree it's going to at least be one first rounder because every receiver that's been moved has been at least one first rounder. But we don't know what, what they want beyond that. Well, if they can go get him, the Jets, I'm speaking of, then I think I think they offseason off you can consider it a home run because I really think they 
they did everything right in the draft. And I can't believe I'm saying that about the Jets. I, I agree. I think, listen, I, I thought, to me, when the Texans took Stingley at three, I was like, all right, now it's going to get interesting because the Jets and the Giants have everything laid out for them. You knew, you know, you knew, obviously, uh, Source Gardner was available. You knew Thibodeau was going to be available. You knew Neil was going to be available. So you go a bunch of different ways. But for me, I think the Jets were very smart and taking a cornerback and then saying, all right, we know there's going to be that premium run on receivers. We're going to get our receiver. Don't forget, they got Elijah Moore last year. Elijah Moore actually played pretty well as a rookie for them. Yeah. Now you bring it, you bring in Gary Wilson to that mix. Now you got two young developing receivers. And then to get Jermaine Johnson, I think where they got him, it, it was, it was, it was great, great draft for them. Like I said, I, I think this is one of them years we're gonna look back on. We're gonna say the GMs overall, maybe not Washington, because we already expressed how we feel about them. But every other GM, every other GM I think has, has did pretty well for themselves. Um, let's get into some NBA talk, Will, because we into the second round, man. And I gotta, I gotta start off with a question that I asked you again. Shout out to Trip. Last time we were on, Trip was with us, and I said to you, "What is the conversation gonna look like if the Nets don't get to at least the NBA Finals?" Yeah. Obviously, they're not going to the finals. They got swept. Yeah. What are we to make of this Nets situation moving forward? Ugh, it's ugly, man. Because. Like, first, my question would be, who do you blame? So, like, who do you give most of the blame to? Is it Kyrie for missing most of the season? Is it Nash for not really having, from what I could see, any strategy or game plan in the playoffs? Is it KD for not dropping 40 every game in the playoffs? Like, we know he's capable of, and they probably needed him to do. Like, who do you blame? Um, I think you got to blow that thing up. But how 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 do you? You know what I mean, dude. I that's it. The supporting pieces that they have, along with the stars that they have. Look, Kyrie, you can't you can't trust Kyrie Irving. Period. And when you can't trust when you can't trust who's supposed to be your your one A, you know what I mean, or your one B, I should say. Where where are you really? You know what I mean. You you. That's this is not what Kevin Durant signed up for. <laughs> I, I know that. I, I, no, I disagree. I think this okay. is what he signed up for, because really? he he allowed. And I and I and I use that term loosely. Yeah, you know, obviously, no one is is no one's parent here. We're talking grown men, but. He, he has allowed Kyrie to be the front man for all of this. When we hear comments that are made after the games, we hear Kyrie's comments first, right? Kyrie is the one who's saying, we're going to figure this thing out with ownership in the front office, not KD. Kyrie's the one who's saying, we don't need a head coach because we, we've won enough games, we've been in enough big ball games. He's allowing Kyrie to be the mouthpiece for this whole situation. And that's why I can't agree with that Say that again. That was Kyrie's team. So, and I, I'm glad you said that. Wasn't it? I mean, I'm just saying he was there. He was there first. I'm so happy you said that because I've had this debate with many of people, and I've always said that the way they aligned themselves in going to Brooklyn was done wrong from the jump. Mm-hmm. K 
Kevin Durant was the big fish. Kevin Durant was the guy everybody wanted. KD did not have to go to Brooklyn if that's not that was not his first choice. I've never believed Kevin Durant when he said, oh, the Knicks were never in play. That's not true. I think the Knicks were in play. But I think what happened was KD's injury coming off the finals that year, he viewed it as, I can't go to the Knicks because this is not enough help for me there. If he was fully healthy, I think the conversation was different. I also think the Nets would, I mean, I also think the Knicks were never really interested in Kyrie, but the Nets were. And that's what gave the Nets the leverage because, as you mentioned, what did the Nets do? They signed Kyrie first. They brought him into the fold and then allowed him to say, KD, look, come here. We got the pieces. We'll make this work. You and I, you ain't got to worry about a running mate because I'll shoulder the load until you're ready. So to your point, I agree. He Because Kyrie signed first and Kyrie has been so vocal and been the mouthpiece of this whole situation, I think KD has kind of allowed Kyrie to take the lead on this. That's a major issue for me. At that time, though, it was such a different team. It was such a different Nets team. You had a lot, all the surrounding pieces were a lot younger and a lot different. And then they went and got James Harden. So a lot of those pieces started to change then. But and I then think they, a lot. But then they were on board with that. But then they, they traded James Harden for Ben Simmons. It started before that, though. But it started. No, no. It started before why? that. And why? Because Kyrie wasn't playing basketball. No, no, no. It started even before that. Oh, you playing before that? Yep. Here's why. KD and more KD, but Kyrie also kind of seconded the, the, the comment. KD said, we chose the Nets because of the culture, right? That became the big term, the culture they're building. Well, guess what? The culture that you so-called claim the Nets were building, y'all fired Kenny Atkinson within two and a half months. Right. All that building that they were doing with with D'Angelo Russell, with Karis LeVert, with Jared Allen, with, with Spencer Dinwiddie, all that got blown up within a matter of months because Kenny Atkinson was out of there. Jared Allen was out of there. Then later on, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, all those guys were, were moved on. So that was the first part that I said that it, it was starting to shift already. Then you get the trade of Harden. Now, I think we look back, is Harden vindicated in all this? Because everything we heard was that Harden was upset that Kyrie wasn't playing. We see them get swept. We we hear the rumblings about what's going on behind the scenes. Is Harden vindicated in all of this now? Nah, because Ben Simmons didn't play. Because if Ben played, then you can say, yeah, he was vindicated. But when you take away James from that situation and don't really replace him at all, you really doing the Nets a disservice. It's you know it's not an equal situation anymore. You just yeah, took but away they, the prolific players in the league. The Nets, the Nets were like got back, but you were supposed to. They, were, they thought they were getting a guy that was going to be at least playing in the playoffs. I mean, and that that's going to be a whole another conversation we got to get into too. But the Nets were already favored to come out of the East before they traded for Harden. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. So. But that was before Kyrie wasn't going to play. Was going to miss fifty some games either. And 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 right? this is no, where this is where he missed fifty some games. Yeah, right? and this is where it becomes a complete shit show now. This is this is where it becomes a complete shit show because 
we're pulling back layers of this team and we're looking at the situation and to your point, and I agree with you, the Nets don't want to hear this. The Nets fans don't want to hear this. This is not going to work. It's not, let's call it what it is. It's not going to work. You got KD and Kyrie. On paper, it sounds great. It's an extensive injury history. There's a lot of off-the-court things with Kyrie that you always got to deal with because let's not forget, even before COVID, he was taking time off when he felt like it. Right? Stephen A. Smith went on a big rant this week. And no matter how you feel about Stephen A. Smith, he was 1,000% correct. This is a dude who hasn't played 60 games in a season, seven out of his 11 years in the league. He struggles to just get to 60 games. So, again, the Nets fans, y'all don't want to hear this. It's never going to work because the leadership is, is wrong for this situation. This isn't. These aren't the guys that you can rely on that's going to be like, all right, we're going to rally the troops. We're going to get it right. There's a reason why. To me, this situation is a complete failure. You can't look at it any other way. They haven't been past the second round of the playoffs. The three years they've been together, they have not been past second round of the playoffs. It's not. Yeah, you're right. It's, and how long do you keep it together? You know what I mean? I think they already know that. And they're probably already looking at situations of um, trades that could possibly possibly be made because what are you going to do just run it back next year and I hope they do you, you don't know what you're going to get out of Ben Simmons Is he I hope be? run it back uh, yeah I bet you do Nick's take run it back run it back no no we we got to see how Ben can fit with these guys run it back go ahead and Steve Nash deserves another year as head coach go ahead run it back yeah that's ridiculous like come on man I don't really know what's going on up there and, and what and what will you know this very well you're a very knowledgeable sports fan. In what situation do we not only build a super team, but then we hand the keys to an inexperienced head coach? Um, yeah. That's a bad... I mean, that was not... I mean, you can kind of say that about... Well, Golden State wasn't really as... They were homegrown, so you can't really call right. it. Right. And, and Golden State, up until that point, when Kerr took over, they had not even made a Western Conference Finals. They had made the yeah. second round a couple of times. Yeah. They they had not, the closest the closest comparison that I can think of would be Spolstra. But Spolstra had been on that Miami staff, and Spolstra was already a head coach before LeBron got there. Yeah. So that was a little different. Yeah. And and you spoke paid his dues before. Right. And, and you see, ever since spoke deserved to be in the spot he was in here right yeah. but yeah. we i'm a i'm a this this clip is going to get cut and i want people to i want people to answer in what instance have we ever seen a super team created and then we hand the keys to a completely brand new inexperienced head coach it's never happened we're talking about a guy with no no assistant experience no head coaching experience on any level he ain't even coached a high school team i didn't did you see any plays I saw. I didn't yeah, see, I didn't see any. I didn't see any plays ran. It was Listen, basically- I'm gonna tell you. I, I coach. I coach middle middle school basketball for two years at my daughter's school. Mm-hmm. We had a we had a point guard. He was nice. He was nice. He was like a Steph Marbury type. You know, very physical point guard. When but the rest of the team was shaky. But he was nice. When the game would get close, I wouldn't even get the dry erase board. I would just say, get the ball to Aramis, and everybody move out the way. Right. That's what Steve Nash was running for KD. That's the why you, you saw that hug. Remember that last year, the hug that he gave KD? 
when they won like game six in Milwaukee. Yeah, he was like a little kid. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. that was the give KD the ball to move out the way. And when KD did it, it was like, oh thank God, I'm vindicated. Yep. yep. It's it's terrible. And, he, and he's still there. It's terrible. Um we talked about Harden. He hasn't looked sharp in these playoffs. But I think the worst news we've heard in these playoffs came down yesterday. Joel Embiid is out indefinitely. Broken orbital bone. It sucks for Philly, man. I I really was looking forward to this matchup with Miami. And this really sucks for Philly because Embiid, off this two-year stretch that he's been having as an MVP candidate, they look like they were starting to get their legs under them. Again, Harden hasn't looked like MVP Harden. But I thought they were good enough to possibly beat Miami. Where do they go from here? Because they made a big trade, and it looks like their season's coming to an end, too. Yeah. Yeah, where they go from here is home. Because <laughs> it, it's, it's going to be a short series. One, two, three, Cancun? Yeah, it's, yeah absolutely. Um, it's, a, it's a wrap. Yeah. Uh, I was looking forward to that series as well. I, but you know what? I had Miami anyway. But Philly has absolutely no shot. I'm not sure I'm even giving them a game. Um, I mean, you might have a freak game where Tyrese Maxey can go off and give you 40. But, man, Miami got – I think this is going to be 4-0. Get them out of here. Move on. Um, the only reason Miami – it's going to be in Philly is to have a cheesesteak because the game's going to be secondary. Just, just get a little more power there. Miami moves on easily, easily. I agree. I agree. I, I Maybe a gentleman's sweep. Maybe they beat them at five, but no more than that. You just can't, you just can't replace Embiid's production. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like Embiid may not win the MVP this year, but he probably was going to come number two in the voting again. And yeah. I, I, you just can't, Everything he can do on the court, all the attention that he gets, um, you know, whether in the post, whether on the perimeter, and what he does defensively for them, you just can't replace it. And and Miami is, is too talented. And I, the reason originally I thought Philly could win this series was because Miami's a little banged up. Jimmy Butler missed a game in that Atlanta series. Kyle Lowry's a little banged up. So I figured, all right, you know, Philly's going to get an opportunity, especially early in the series. Philly might be able to jump out on him. But without Embiid, man, this this one's over in five at the most. I I, I see no way. And and Doc, no knock on Doc, but Doc ain't good enough to 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 win this series on his own as a coach. Hey, knock on Doc. He ain't <laughs> good enough. He is. I know he doesn't have a plan B. Yeah, he's he, gonna use this injury as an excuse. Yeah, it, it, it's over for them. I, I I did have I did have Joe. I did have Joe. Uh, uh, you go back. You go back and look at that series. We were the AC. So. <laughs> but nah they, they don't have a shot man it, like I said it's over at five um the second round is set Memphis took care of business last night they they knocked over Minnesota we got all the matchups is there a potential upset that you're looking at Will only by seeding because now that I look at it Memphis was the two seed yes they were just, oh my god yeah, Warriors are gonna make light work of Memphis. I'm I'm tired of all the hype, all the job, all the jara. That's what I call it. It's a lot of it's a lot of jara. Like a lot of people rah 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 about that's 
I think we're gonna name the episode that Jara. It's a lot of Jara, man. It's, he's a, and let me be the first to say he's the one of the most exciting players in the league. Bounce can bounce through the roof. Incredible um, shot maker. I really respect what he does in the paint. But he's he's he's. I don't think this is the year for him to make that step into superstardom where he's making that kind of step in the playoffs to where he's taking over on an MVP type level. When we saw that in the first round a couple of nights where he wasn't really uh, showing up. You can't do that against these Warriors because he, I think, the, remember the Roy Jones video, man? Y'all must have forgot. I think this is <laughs> Steph and Clay and Draymond and all them boys, and then you and they got their own young gun themselves in pool. I think they're gonna say y'all must. Who should have been the most improved player? Absolutely, absolutely. And now he's facing the number four pick in the draft, who was most improved. <laughs> okay, yeah, the number four pick in the draft two years ago was this most improved. Even I don't think he got should have got that award. That's not, I'm not even gonna waste no time on that. He just shouldn't have got the award. I 1,000% agree. So you got, so you got, you, you got the, you got these OGs and Clay and Steph and Draymond and, and all them boys. Plus, you got a young gun in pool who's standing across at a player that took something from him this year in that Most Improved Player Award. So he's gonna be like, all right, let me let me show you what I got. I think it's gonna be ugly. I got Golden State in four. I know, I, I know. I just said I got Miami in four. Man, this, I got. I think you should just invest heavily in brooms, <laughs> in broom stock, because there's gonna be a lot of brooms I'm seeing right now. I got Golden State um, getting their respect back, and they're gonna make these boys go back to Memphis with Bobby. They, yeah, they're gonna be going back for the barbecue. That's it. Like, I, like, I got like Miami going to Philly just for the cheesesteaks. Golden State gonna be in Memphis just for the barbecue. They, they ain't there for nothing else. Basketball ain't gonna be a problem. They're they gonna make light word of Memphis 4-0. Yeah, in terms of seeding, you're right. Uh Memphis ain't hanging with Golden State. And and let's remind everybody too, Memphis had to come back three times from 20 point deficits against Minnesota. Golden against State the worst discipline team in basketball. Golden Golden State ain't blowing a 20 point lead if they get 20 up on them. They Hell they not. Nah. And uh Taylor Jenkins is not out coaching Steve Kerr. Let's let's call it what it is. So um I think it'll be a little more interesting in the sweep. I don't think it'll be, it'll go that route because I, I do have a lot of respect for Ja, but it ain't going more than five or six, six at the most. You know what I'm saying? I, I would not be you surprised. Okay. I, I think, I think five, but like I said, I'll give him an extra game. Maybe Memphis does have home court in this series. So maybe Memphis finds a way to win game two and game five and extend the series a little bit. But, you know, other than that, I think Golden State's rolling right now. They found something. Uh, like you mentioned, this three-guard rotation with Poole, with, with Steph, with Clay, um, the way they they integrating, uh, you know, Wiggins and 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 uh, Green with that new small ball lineup, I, I just think it's too tough. And I think Draymond's playing some of the best basketball he's ever played as well. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of people give him a lot of shit because the stat line doesn't match what they're looking for. But when you watch basketball, and you watch the things that Draymond does as as the point forward and the quarterback of that offense, and then on defense, bro, 
Draymond out there undersized against the Joker the whole series. The, no help, no help playing a one-on-one the whole series, bro. Y'all got to start putting more respect on Draymond's name, man. You know if what? They do. Yeah, you're right. And they, a lot of people don't. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Like, if y'all just watching highlights and the short clips on YouTube, you not understanding what's going on out there during the game. That dude is matching up with the MVP for 35 minutes a night and slowing him down, bro. Yeah. Draymond, Draymond he's, a, yeah. he's, a, he's, 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 He's a real important cog on that offense, man. You know yeah, I mean? absolutely, it's man. Crazy to say he's the the start the straw that stirs the drink, you know. But man, you can't really deny it. It's it's is his versatility and again allowing them to play small in that manner. You know, if, if he wasn't that good defensively and they had to bring a big man out there, it would change everything because then you wouldn't be able to play Wiggins or you wouldn't be able to play all three guards together. But Draymond makes up for all of that because he can play as your five and allow you to keep all those perimeter wings out there. So Draymond, man, he, he's doing his thing. We got to give him more respect. Kids, um, out there, kids out there, respect, respect the game and accept your role. And yep. You can be Draymond Green. Yep. Because that's, he's not the best at anything, but he respects the game and plays his role and tries to be the best at his role. And that's why he's in the NBA. Well said. So, Moving on into the conference finals. Who do you have? We both agree Golden State's winning. We we got Miami winning. Yeah. I'm assuming we got Boston because Milwaukee's shorthanded. Yeah. Unfortunately, Chris Middleton. I know how highly you think of Chris Middleton, and I like him too. But without Chris Middleton, this is this is very tough for Giannis to go against this Boston team that's really rolling right now. And, and you know how much I'm respecting Giannis? This is how much a turn I've made on Giannis. I think he he can take Boston single-handedly. I think he can go six games with Boston. I'm going to give him six. I I will say this, and we're going to revisit this conversation because we've talked about who's the best player in the league right now. I'm willing to bet money that Boston is not going to be able to slow down Giannis the way they did KD. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Because I love to hear what I think we might in the summertime, too. There's some more going on in in uh in uh Brooklyn. It has to be because Kate that I forget what game was. I don't think it was the closeout game. It was game uh three. Kate didn't look like he was even there. Like and it's the, in the face. And the he turnovers were so sloppy. Yeah, I mean it was just like something was really going on there. But I think Giannis. I think I mean I got them losing four two. But I think he can single-handedly get two games against Boston. Fair. I think he's I think he's made that step to where that where he is that dude with that cape. And he, but man, without without your Robin, without without uh Chris Middleton, Boston's got too much. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Udoka. He's got them boys playing their best basketball at the right time. It's almost like a college team. You know what I mean? A college team is making that run, going into conference play, and then going into the, uh, I mean, going into conference tournament, and then going into the NCAA's with that steam. It's like they kind of had that similar run. And you got Jason Tatum playing MVP basketball, and Jalen Brown. I mean, Boston's probably like those Celtic fans up there, probably feeling like they got a little, 
of great value, Jordan and Pippen going on up there with, with Tatum and Brown, you know, the way they've been, and especially when they chop off the heads of KD and Kyrie. Um, with the momentum they got rolling, it's going to be tough for Milwaukee. I, I'm, I give the respect that I have for Giannis now and what I've seen from him. I'm giving him two games on his back. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I'm going to say uh, Boston is six there. I like it. Yeah, I agree. I think Giannis keeps it competitive. He makes it interesting. And I wouldn't be surprised. I got Boston winning the series. I like six games. But I wouldn't be surprised if Milwaukee goes in tomorrow and wins game one. Because Boston has had the rest for about a week since they swept uh, Brooklyn. And Milwaukee had to play those last two games without Middleton. So maybe Milwaukee goes in tomorrow and they catch him, you know, sleeping a little bit and maybe steals game one. But overall, I like Boston. So we got Boston and Miami and a rematch of the bubble Eastern Conference Finals. We got Golden State. I got Phoenix beating Dallas in an entertaining series, but I just don't think Dallas has enough to, to beat them four games. Do you have Phoenix as well? Well, is everybody healthy now for Phoenix? Is Chris, well, I know Chris Paul is good to go. So they, Devin Booker back. Dev played game six. He looked a little sluggish, but that was his first game back with the hamstring. So he's back. I just don't know if we're getting fully healthy, Dev, or if maybe by game three, he's fully healthy. And that was the hammy, right? Yep, it was the hamstring. You know what? I don't trust it. I'm a, on a whim. I'm going, I'm going Dallas here because, yeah, I'm going to go Dallas because... Yeah, and I now that I'm think, I'm starting to, now that I see it, I'm feeling a lot better about it because I really do think with those hamstring injuries, they linger. Um, if it's not 100%, I, I can see that costing him a game in the series, and that might be enough to to swing it. Um, it's going to come down to point guard play, man. You got Luca the Don against CP0, and I, <laughs> I'm going to have to. Lucas gonna bust his I'm, ass this series too. I'm gonna have to give it to Lucas. Gonna bust his ass. I think this is where Lucas Luca got that dog in him and he knows what he knows what it is. Either I think you know, most even casual NBA fans should know who Luca Doncic is. But I think now it's gonna be where like people's moms. This is gonna be a time when you know what I mean when he makes Luke, nah. Luca gonna Luca gonna bust their ass. Yeah. Because I and None against Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges is not hanging with Luca. Luca is going to bust their ass in this series. The, yeah, man. I got to go. I think we're going to go seven here. This this going to be the most competitive series of the playoffs, I think. I can see it. I I got Phoenix winning it. I got Phoenix winning it because I'm I'm a little skeptical of the other guys. I don't think Jalen Brunson is going to have as good a series now as he oh, did no. against Utah. Because yeah. against Utah, they all they were doing was seeking out Rudy Gobert. You know what I'm saying? And Aiden is a better athlete than Gobert. Aiden, you just can't pull him away from the paint and think like, oh, we got him now. Like Aiden can hang with guys on the perimeter. So I think Jalen Brunson, Finney Smith, them guys are going to struggle a little bit in this series in comparison to Utah. But Luka is going to get his no matter what. Yeah. And you know who he's going to need to perform? And it kind of makes me feel a little worse about my pick is you're going to have to get maximum play from Spencer Dinwiddie. Yep. Have a shot. Yeah. 
He's got to. He's got to be. He's got to be your. He's got to be the best version of himself. Yeah, absolutely. He's got to be that steady Eddie on the perimeter, offensively and defensively. If you want to have a shot, but man, Luca, Luca's one of those players that, against all odds, I think he can still, he can still win. And I think that the, I think the matchup is close enough. I'm going. I'm. I'm going with Dallas, man. Dallas. I like it. I got. I got Phoenix winning it, and I think it's going six, maybe even seven. But I do think, like I said, Luka's going to bust their ass. And I wouldn't be surprised. Remember a couple years ago in the bubble when Luka went toe-to-toe with Kawhi and Paul George in the playoffs? It's going to be the same thing. I think every game we're going to look back and be like, all right, who's helping Luka? Because Luka is going to be on the cusp of 30-plus every night. He's going to be doing all the Luka. Yeah, he's going to be doing all the things that he normally does. And then we're going to be looking like, all right, who's the other guy who can help him get over this hump? I like that pick, though. That's I like it, man. You're stepping out on a limb. I like it. Don't sleep on Brunson, though, because he's playing for money. He's playing for money, but he's I think... Playing, he's playing for your next to overpay him this summer. Listen. You heard it here first. No, 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 no. I'm, no, 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 no. Check this out, though. I'm going to tell you some funny shit. Uh, shout out to Troy Perry. We were talking during game one. He had text me. Of the Utah Dallas series. He texts me. He says, I see that the Knicks brass is in Utah. Maybe they're scouting Donovan Mitchell. And I said, or they could be looking to overpay Jalen Brunson. I got the text message I could send you. Yep. Because I know my Knicks. And I know the history because Allen Houston played with with, with Jalen's dad. So I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if there was already that conversation. Where you play with Rick in New York? Yeah. Oh, he was on the Knicks. Yeah. That's right. Damn. He played with Rick in New York. Yeah, so when I when I heard we were when when I heard we were there in Utah for game one, I'm like, nah, it ain't for Donovan Mitchell. It's for Rick Brunson. We don't need to go to Utah to, to talk to Donovan Mitchell. We've been trying to have that conversation. I hope we don't, but knowing us, I I can't put it past us because I wouldn't be surprised if we we blow all our money on on him and Zach Levine. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised. I love Levine's game, but you got to have a point guard next to him. Yeah, yeah. You can't let him but, just control I mean, maybe everything. He is, maybe, maybe he's just late blooming. You know, you will see. Don't try to make me feel better about that. But, you know, with him playing for that money, with him playing for that next money, I'm telling you, <laughs> uh, Dallas is seven. Uh, I got Phoenix. So I got Phoenix against Golden State setting up the match everybody's expecting. You got Dallas, Golden State. And then in the East, we both agree. It's going to be Boston, and it's going to be Miami. Um, should be fun. Will, before we wrap up, any final thoughts? I actually got a little bit of lengthy. It's not very lengthy. I won't say it's lengthy, but it's, it's longer than my typical final thought. You'll remember a few, man, man, it's probably been over a month ago that I said I had a, a breakdown about Carson Wentz. That's right. You said you were and saving never, it, yep. Yeah, I said I was saving it. Dude, like, hold on, hold on. Do you want it as a final thought or do you want it as a, as a segment itself? Damn, that's a good question. Yeah, Because we know can record I, it as a segment. It should probably be a segment. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna make it a segment. Yeah, yeah, it should probably be a segment. We're gonna do that. Because we'll do that. Like, yeah, right. we'll do that then. But any other things that you want to put as a final thought? Um, 
No, nah, man, good luck to all the guys that got drafted this weekend. Um, go into your situations with the best attitude. Don't go in thinking you I got drafted in this position way high, so I'm earning something. Don't go in, you know, saying I got drafted at the bottom, so the world's against me, so don't feel down on yourself. Just everybody have a positive attitude. Try to make your families proud on and off the field. Don't do no dumb shit, no deal. No DUIs, we don't need to see none of that because I know it's going to be a lot of people celebrating uh, being drafted. Um, just good luck to all, everybody, and I hope every, all you young guys come out of camp healthy. I agree with that. And I also want to say on that on that uh, topic, shout out to the HBCUs. There was two players selected uh, in this year's draft from HBCUs. More importantly, shout out to Deion Sanders, man. I, I got a, a big... Uh, Respect for Dion. Um, I've heard some great things from people that have met him. I was a fan of his as a kid, but everything that he's doing at Jackson State and trying to promote the kids coming out of the HBCUs is starting to pay off. Last year, no kids from HBCUs were drafted. This year, there was two. And as Dion quickly went on social media to say, look, two is great, but now we got to get to four. We need four guys in the league to get drafted from HBCUs. So shout out to them two young men that get the opportunity. It's like Will said, take advantage, man. Don't don't get caught up in nothing else. Mm -hmm. Don't don't lose your focus. Don't allow these roadblocks to stop you. Stay focused. Stay in the league. Do your thing, man. Um, hey, final teaser leading leading into that topic that I shot you with. Yep. This is my final final thought, and there's a teaser tied into that topic in the draft. Sam Howe was the worst pick in the NFL. Oh my. You know, now I gotta now I gotta cut that clip because there's already been conversations. Shout out for the love of the game. There's been conversations in the group chat about Sam Howell and was he worthy of a fifth round pick? He was the worst pick in the draft. And it's not because of him, it's because of where he went and what's going on there. That ties into that ties into that ties into my sec the the, the went segment. I'm telling you. We're gonna we're gonna edit up the win segment as well. Yeah. Hey, for my main man Will Gordon, I am Eric Sanchez. This is the opinionated ones, and we'll see you guys again soon. We out.